The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. Get better, stay well, and help yourself to be healthy. Let's go with that. I'm trying to work on a new slogan. Help your what to be happy? All right. Get better, stay well, and be healthy. I don't know. I'm not sure and I have like fun. the new slogan. Have I, fun. I had and... to eliminate the, the phrase misinformation. Really? The word misinformation from it. Because oh, we got I know something. why. Yeah, something All right, in the How about news. this? How about this? Uh, Listen to Dave and Weefy. Yes, Dave and Weefy. Because they are the new... Uh, czars of yes. medical truth. Ah, you I like see that. what I mean? I, I've always yeah, because, wanted to be I mean, a czar. If, if Biden can get a ministry of truth, okay. why can't we? Why can't we? We've been asked to air this special announcement prior to uh, say, saying anything of worthwhile on the program. The following has been approved for broadcast by the Ministry of Truth. Do not attempt independent thought. Any independent thought on your part is prohibited. Please report any incorrect thoughts to the proper authorities. We now return you to your regularly scheduled broadcast. So the <laughs> Department of Homeland Security, Home- of all... <laughs> Homeland Security. The one, the group that's supposed to protect us from, say, I don't know, terrorists, yeah. is instead going to somehow protect us from misinformation. It's unbelievable. With and I a, can't believe anyone. I mean, when I heard it yeah. first, I thought it was a, a prank. Right. I thought it was a joke. Well, it is, I mean, in a way. And, and, you know, are we now going to be living in the Soviet Union? Are we going to be living in Cuba, in Venezuela? They're the ones who have ministries of truth. Right. And, if, you know, and why is this important to medicine? It's extremely important to medicine because... Fauci always says, I represent science, therefore you believe me. Science is wrong all the time. Mm. And that's what we, uh, on this show, try to point out. That, yes, there's a lot of truth in science. There's a lot of great things that you can hang your hat on. Mm-hmm. right? But there's tremendous numbers of false things that have been said to be true. Right. And let's, let's talk about you know, some of them. And, and you know, one of them was that uh, the uh, virus could never have come. The COVID virus could never have come from a lab. Mm-hmm. Well, and now you have very prominent people who in the beginning said the only thing that made sense was that it came from a lab. Mm-hmm. They and, and now after even uh, it was shown that Fauci and his colleagues tried to suppress that, um, now even Fauci says it's it's possible, and the rest of us think that it's more likely than not. Right. So that's that was you know crushed and and put down, and anyone who had any question about vaccination was put down. Right. 
And I, I just, I can't believe they're going to do this. But in your field, in science, if somebody tells you the science is settled and there's nothing more to learn, does that ring bells for you? Absolutely. Okay. You know, one of the greatest scientists of all time, Galileo. Uh-huh. And Galileo invented this telescope that was really powerful. Mm-hmm. And he looked at Jupiter. Mm-hmm. And what did he see around Jupiter? Moons. Mm. Jupiter had moons. And so what happened at that time, and again, um, I love the Catholic Church, and I'm going to tell you, I was at Notre Dame uh, for 10 years. I got to know very prominent Catholics. I am not criticizing the Catholic Church of today. Mm-hmm. But back then, it was dogma. And this is the the word I want to use for what the Homeland Security people are going to enforce. And that's dogma. That is things that you cannot question. And so they put Galileo in prison. They excommunicated him and made him recant the scientific evidence that he had that the earth was not the center of the universe that the earth revolved around the sun, mm-hmm. and that was anathema. And so that's what they want to do. They want to be ha- be able to say they're the ultimate authority on truth. And it's just awful. Let me, let me give a prime example that what they would say uh, today if the studies that came out in 1969 came out today. Mm-hmm. If... if Elon Musk were to say there are not enough people in the United States, he would have been canceled from Twitter because in 1969, um, there was an alarmist scientific uh, article that came out that became policy, not only in the United States, but in China especially, Mm -hmm. that we will not have enough food by the year 2000 and that billions would starve. Yeah. And so what happened? India and China in particular um, had a one-child policy. And I don't know what India tried to do, but I know their policy was to reduce the population. But China developed a one-child policy. So they estimate 30 million girls were killed. Mm. Over, killed. I'm not talking about abortion. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about being thrown into wells. Um, uh, they yeah. were treated as though they were unwanted and they were unwanted because in China you want boys because there wasn't a social security system. If you got old, the tradition and Confucian thought was that the son took care of the old folks. Right. So if you're a young couple and you have a girl and you, it's limited to one child, that girl will marry and take care of the husband's um, old folks and not yours. And so what do we know now? And what is China doing now? They are not going to have enough workers. And so China now not only has a two-child policy, mm-hmm. they have a three-child policy now. Yeah. And so the truth in science is often false. Mm-hmm. And just like the truth in medicine. I can't tell you. Um, when I first started out, let me give you an example, um, in heart failure. So when your heart was weak. And it didn't pump well. It was contraindicated. You know that term? Yeah. Contraindicated means that if you do it, 
you are definitely wrong. Mm-hmm. But it was contraindicated to give a beta blocker. Now, what's a beta blocker? We've talked about it before in the show. It's a medicine that reduces the effect of adrenaline. Adrenaline is what causes us to have that excitement, the fight or flight. It gets yeah. us going. Because we thought it would make the heart failure worse. So the dogma was if I gave a beta blocker to someone admitted to Johns Hopkins in the middle of the night who had heart failure, I would be doing something that was contraindicated. Yeah. Do you know now what the number one or number two medicine we give in heart failure is? I would assume it's a beta blocker. It's a beta blocker. Yeah. So, and the reason is we discovered that if you block the receptors for adrenaline in heart failure, you strengthen the heart because when there's so much adrenaline pounding on that weak heart muscle, it makes it weaker. Right. So we've got to stop this idea that there's truth that cannot be uh, challenged, either right. in the political field, but I'm talking about in my medical. Could you imagine if the medical board could suspend your license because you said something that was against the dogma? It's just ridiculous. Well, there have been cases of people who have lost their right. license to or practice going medicine. going against um, uh, vaccinations. Right. Uh, for promoting uh, medicines that are, were not um, touted or actually were disparaged because of political reasons. Right. Uh, for COVID. Um, and this is the most frightening thing to me to come out in, in a while uh, that we're going to have truth tellers or uh, judges of truth, not only for politics, but for other things, because medicine was politics in the beginning. Um, Politics was medicine. Medicine was politics during COVID. And and my gosh, what would have happened if the Ministry of Truth uh, had come down against things that we now know work well? Technically, they're calling it the Disinformation Governance Board. Jesus. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you that I think the government has no business doing that. Absolutely. Somebody not. might have business doing that. You might have. No, I don't. You're, you're the, no, but wait no. a minute. No. You're the kind of person who likes to correct things that are right. incorrect. Right. But the, the truth. But the government can't do the that. The truth is elusive. Right. It's elusive. And what does that mean? It means that what we think today is right two three four years down the line it's going to be wrong right and you know my father used to tell me that what gets you in trouble is not what you don't know it's what you know that isn't so yeah and this is the problem we have with with uh the arbiters of truth is that they are preventing the challenge of dogma mm-hmm and where would we be if all of the research that Galileo had done and the proof that he had about the structure of the universe had been completely um, uh, hidden right. from the scientific nature? Right. Uh, every dogma is meant to be challenged because that's how we learn right. and that's how we grow. So I'm, I've never said this before. What's that? Right, if you're listening. Oh. There's one person in Timbuktu who is listening to the show today. I think there are more. Uh, write your congressman. And I've yeah. never said this before. But pass a law to get rid of this uh, ministry of truth. 
Right. Um, because I think under the statutes, um, it's going to be possible that the Homeland Security can do this in the name of, quote-unquote, national security. Quote unquote. I mean, you wouldn't believe what the Homeland Security can do. Yeah. They can lock people away yeah. without lawyers, without um, any um, uh, justification, um, and just do it because they want to. Have you ever heard of habeas corpus? Yes. The yes. so habeas corpus is where you file a petition if your loved one is locked away. Right. They have to present that person before a judge and you and yeah. your lawyers and prove that that person should be locked away. The Homeland Security doesn't have to do that. Hmm. They don't. Uh, the laws passed after 9-11 give Homeland Security tremendous powers. So I don't know. Maybe this will be challenged in the Supreme Court. But one way around it is write your congressman and tell him to pass a law, ASAP, right. to outlaw this ministry of truth. All right. We've locked the studio door just for that occasion that Homeland Security could Are they coming for us? No, they can come for us, but they're not getting past that door, I'll tell you what. Uh, We've got, in the news, aspirin no longer recommended to prevent a first heart attack. I'm very careful of the wording here. Right, because I think it's confusing. Okay. And And, and I'm very, very cautious here. I want people to understand exactly what they are saying. The headline is misleading. Also, more than half of us likely have had COVID. It's incredible. More than half. This is well, exactly not even what likely. I thought. It's true. This is yeah. what exactly I thought, that as sad as it is, the way we beat this is by everybody getting it. Or so many. I hate to say it because yeah. nobody wanted, and, no, yeah. one death is bad. Right, right. But um, one of the... I don't know, silver, not silver linings. One of the things that we hate but also understand is uh, that Omicron came through and it was a very, very contagious virus. Right. Uh, Much more contagious than Alpha. All right. We'll talk about these things and take your phone calls. Bill and Raleigh, I know you're waiting. We'll get to you in just a moment. This is Heart Health Radio. This is the Heart Health Radio Network. So NBA players were scamming somebody? Scamming Uh, the the insurance? You know, those guys make how many millions a year? And you know, when they retire, they still got money, I would hope. Although some of them, I guess, spend it all. But they have a union who has gotten them incredible benefits. Free dental care. Free health care. Okay. And I guess that's okay. I mean, you know, they, they, um, so I guess some of the players only last two or three years, but they scammed the healthcare system millions of dollars. Some of these players, they got kickbacks. So they would go to the dentist yeah. and basically just smile for the camera. Yeah. And the dentist would bill the healthcare system, the NBA healthcare system. You know, for crowns and gold teeth. Yeah. Then they'd split the money with the NBA players. Now, they have not, on the story that I read, named the players. These are retired players. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I it just shocks me. Uh, and I guess maybe I shouldn't be shocked, 
But you would think that these people, you know, making a minimum of a million dollars a year, even if it's for only five years, right. would not need to do that. But nah. they did. No, they do. All right, Bill in Raleigh, thank you very much for the phone call. How you doing? Uh, Dave, great. Uh, Dr. Weefall. Hey. I got, uh, I got some articles here I'd like for you to check out. Sure. In, in line with you talking about the uh, misinformation lab. Yes. That the government plans to institute. Yeah. Uh, the first one is on Newsmax, and then the, the uh, title of the article is Wuhan Lab Can Delete, quote, secret files, yep. end quote, yep. in legal agreement with U.S. with U.S. lab. Right. Uh, it is dated um, April 23rd of this year. And the other one, follow, uh, it precedes this article. Um, it's, it's dated May 8th of 2021. The uh, title of the article was leaked, comma, Chinese document reveals malevolent intent for coronavirus. Um, these are two outstanding articles about the cover-up or attempted cover-up of the uh, origin of the uh, coronavirus. So maybe during your breaks, I know Dr. Uh, can read these things. Those Actually, I've... Uh, long articles. Are, yeah, I pulled them up right now, and I'm kind of a speed reader. Um, the yeah. Newsmax, the the most recent one from April twenty second from Newsmax, we have actually talked about on this show hmm. because it came out that Fauci commented to his cronies about why some DNA sequences um, from or RNA sequences, the genetic code that the Chinese uh, published, some of these sequences were deleted from the database. And some of the doctors were really mad about it. But Fauci very calmly said, yeah, they can do it. We signed an agreement with them when we gave them all this money that they could do whatever they want. They can publish it. They can publish it and delete it. They can do whatever they want. And why would they do that? Because the Chinese government insisted on it. And this is the the way the communist Chinese are, is that they want to have a, a truth bureau uh, they want to have somebody who can say, well, uh, we're going to take that off of the website. We're going to depublish that because it may come back to haunt us. Um, they didn't delete some very important sequences that showed um, a, a combination of uh, genetic uh, um, uh, sequences that were only found before. Um, having to be constructed by humans. So there's a lot of controversy in there. Um, there are some people who believe that that means the virus was constructed. And one of the things you have to understand, and I'm not being a conspiracy theorist, this is just what is true, and that the Wuhan lab had people from the People's Army, which is the Chinese uh, military, mm-hmm. working alongside of them. And what were they doing? Why would the military be working on coronaviruses? I do not know the truth to that. But I can tell you that if the truth is they were creating bioweapons, that will never come out as an admission from the Chinese. Oh, sure, yeah. 
you know. So um, these are good articles um, to read, um, and the Wuhan lab has never uh, been an organization that has been truthful about what they've been doing. And I think that uh, I'm really glad you pointed this out because we need to be able to investigate these things and remember that if you tweeted in 2020 that you felt the Wuhan lab was the origin of COVID, you were suspended from Twitter. And the same was from uh, Facebook and the same uh, happened in any of the social media controlled um, by people who had a vested interest in keeping this possible true information down. Bill, I want to thank you for the phone call. I do want to tell you that I just got a text from the Department of Homeland Security. You have an appointment 8.30 Monday morning um, with the Department of Homeland Security. (laughs) They want. They want you to. Yeah, you, you just need well, to go to what the I would tell you to do right federal now. Federal building. Go in Raleigh. Yeah, pull yeah. the shades this, down. This is the reason why we need to elect yeah. politicians, legislators that are about the truth, regardless of what party they're in. Right. Yeah. If you yeah. don't yeah. like exactly. the truth, it doesn't mean you should suppress it. Exactly. And if you don't know whether it's true, um, you can still let people make a hypothesis about right. whether it could be true. Right. Because this happens all over the world. Look at Russia, what they did to, to those that were in disagreement with uh, Putin. They poisoned them. They tried to poison them. They... Right. But, you know, I don't know if you know this. Is since the onset of the Ukraine war, five prominent Russian businessmen, these were sub-oligarchs. Yeah. So in the last six weeks, five leaders of prominent businesses in Russia have committed suicide. Mm. Now, let me ask you, how likely is that? Now, it may be true that they killed themselves, but this is the whole concept of circumstantial evidence. Is it really likely that five businessmen would kill themselves since the onset of the Ukraine war? So, what does that mean? I don't know. Were they secretly anti-Putin and were murdered to make it look like a suicide? I don't know. I don't know. And I'm glad I don't know because if I knew, that would be the next. Yeah. So be lo- the next game. lower your shades, turn off the TV, hide under your bed. <laughs> They're coming for you, buddy. Or you just fly that flag and don't worry about it. <laughs> Thank you. All right. We've got, uh, we've got Rose Hoban from North Carolina HealthNews.org coming up next on Heart Health Radio. Now back to heart health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Teresa in Raleigh is with us right now. Teresa, hi, how are you? Um, well, wish I could say better. Um, oh, I, just test, I tested positive for COVID. Okay. Oh, you tested How are you positive. doing? Uh, mostly in my head, a little scratchy throat, low energy, low grade fever. Okay. Can I ask how old you are? 49. Okay. Um, how many days has it been into your uh, illness? 
Um, well, I woke up Thursday morning okay. with a sore throat. All right. Well, it, on Thursday. If you look at the statistics, um, the next couple days will tell us uh, and tell you whether it's going to be a very mild case, which it sounds now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have any breathing problems whatsoever, you need to call your doctor. Um, what we're doing now is using a medicine called Paxlovid or Paxlovid. Um, and what that is, uh, if you want to know the, the technical thing, it's a protease inhibitor. It doesn't work on the receptor of the uh, virus entering the cells like the monoclonal antibodies did for Delta and Alpha. Um, it prevents the um, virus from chewing into uh, some of the cells and bursting them. It works very well. Um, there are two. There's a Merck uh, variety, which I am so sorry, I can't remember the name. The Paxlovid interacts with some medicines. So if you're on a bunch of meds, um, there are uh, some situations where the pharmacist won't give it to you, even though you're only going to take it for five days. So right now, if I had a patient who was telling me, and I'm not your doctor, so I can't diagnose you or give you particular medical advice, but if I had a patient like yours, I would be calling them every day. Um, and saying, how are you doing? How's your breathing? Have you had uh, worsening symptoms of headache? Is your fever persistent? Um, and, you know, you want to you really, really uh, go for the people who have the highest risk for developing uh, serious COVID complications. And those are the diabetics, the people who are obese, uh, those over the age of 60, they would used to say 55. Um, and you know, the vast majority of deaths that we have seen have been in that, uh, those groups of people. So, um, you know, it, it just be cautious and pay attention to your body. Um, the shortness of breath is the thing that, um, I think is the most important symptom in order to gain treatment or to call your doctor and ask for treatment. Uh, and like I said, these medicines are wonderful. Uh, Paxlovid works, you know, better than the Merck variety, but some of the pharmacists refuse to dispense the Paxlovid, for example, if you're on prednisone. And steroids are, you know, uh, one of the mainstays of treating early uh, and mildly symptomatic uh, uh, COVID to prevent it from getting worse. And I happen to disagree with that because you're only going to take Pax, Paxlovid or Paxlovid for five days. So the chance that you're going to have a serious interaction that's long-term is very low. But, of course, your doctor will decide what your risk is in taking a medication if you have a possibility of an interaction with another medication. Now, I've got a question. Yeah. Early in this whole covid thing right my family bought pulse oximeters yeah i'm not so sure that that is uh helpful because you can be short of breath and have the developing um lung uh, problems with covid way before your oxygen level falls okay so if you are short of breath and you're looking at an oxygen level of 70 (laughs) That's yeah, the cat's that's, out of the bag. Uh, right, right. So I would not, I mean, it's not a bad idea to have an oxygen meter, but it might give you a false sense of security. 
because you know if you're really short of breath and your oxygen level is 94 percent which yeah. is you know normal you might not seek medical attention Teresa, think, yeah, yeah go ahead no Sorry. Dave, go Dave. Teresa, have you been to the doctor I just got tested yesterday, and my actually, I had a, a question to go along yeah, with. Yeah, sure. I'm sorry. I have, I've been bloviating. No, no, and that's okay. I was going to ask about Paxlovid. I have SVT. Okay. And I'm on, I'm on Metoprolol. Okay. So I was wondering if I, you know, I'm waiting to hear back if I'm a candidate or not to take Paxlovid yeah. from my doctor's office. Sure. But if, if, if someone has SVT in general or is on Metoprolol, is that one of the medications that it interacts with? I don't think so. No. I'm looking it up right now. I should know this. I, and this is uh, something that, um, you know, I haven't looked up, uh, but it doesn't appear. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it doesn't appear to be uh, one that would um, make it uh, so you can't mm-hmm. take it. Yeah. Um, how long have you had your SVT? Since 2009. Okay, and it's under control? I mean, does it's the... Un- yeah, it, it is. The metoprolol has been a wonder drug for Oh, great. It, so yeah, that, and that's great. a wonderful thing because I found in my own personal practice, it only works about 30 to 40% of the time in suppressing SVT. Um, but see, you have a particular one then, um, and SVT is a an extra electrical connection, and it's usually around the middle part of the heart, which is called the AV node, which sort of is the, the traffic signal allowing the electricity to get from the top to the bottom. And there's like a bypass track. So, for example, if you live in Clayton, you know that there are stoplights everywhere, and that's mm-hmm. to regulate traffic. But then there's mm-hmm. the bypass and you can go real quick around the bypass uh, unless it's rush hour. Yeah. But um, so there are medicines uh, that actually work on the bypass tract itself and preventing that from allowing electricity to move. A beta blocker like metoprolol prevents adrenaline from exciting the bypass tract. So if, you know, adrenaline will excite your normal electricity, if you get excited, your heart will beat fast. And it's the same thing with the SVT. If you have adrenaline that hits that bypass tract and stimulates it, it starts to beat rapid. So you're mm-hmm. you're just it's just really good for you that metoprolol has worked, um, and I I hope it continues to work because you sound great. Oh yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. yeah. I I'm just concerned about and obviously try to avoid getting COVID as much as the next person. Sure. You know, I just just a little concerned, especially with this with SVT and you know all of that. So, yeah, absolutely. Teresa, call us back next week, please. Let, Let us, us know, know how you're doing. Right. Okay. And we'll good luck to you. So much. Yeah. Yep. Thank okay. you. Bye bye. All right. Sixty yeah, percent of us, maybe more, yeah. have gotten COVID. Yeah, and seventy-five percent of kids. Now, how did they find this out? Um, they went and took blood samples of people who had their blood drawn for some reason. Sure. At, you know, they weren't sick with COVID or whatever. And they looked at the number of people who had antibodies. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in this sample, 60% of adults had antibodies to COVID. Uh, and, and it wasn't a vaccination uh, thing. They were able yeah. to tell which ones were natural antibodies. Now, I think that it's probably 
uh, miss, uh, I'm sorry, it's probably missing even more. Uh, I think probably 75 to almost 80% yeah. of adults have had COVID. And there were so many asymptomatic infections. Now, kids, they basically have all had it. And, and yet, you know, in some states, they're making people less than five years old, kids less than five. We're still wearing masks. Right. It's ridiculous. And, um, and, and we're also considering approval for babies yeah. to get a lower dose yeah. of one of the vaccines. Yeah. I, I, and I don't know that I would let my baby have the vaccine um, because it, I mean, there's not been a reported case of a child dying of COVID unless they were sick to begin with, if they had you know, a chronic illness such as sickle cell anemia right. or, um, you know, other respiratory ailments who died of COVID. Not a single one. Not okay. zero. All right. And so the question is, if you have a healthy infant, um, what's the risk-benefit analysis of giving them a vaccine? Yeah, I don't I, know. I don't, I don't think that I could choose, but it scares me, the idea that, you know, we're just— we're just going to prove it for something that is not now a problem. For, for right, right. Yeah. The 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 brand of COVID that's going around now is not as deadly as the original. The original was was tough. All yeah. right, listen. There's a, a report that aspirin is no longer recommended to prevent a first heart attack. Yeah, what does that mean? I want. Well, the headlines basically say aspirin's no good after 60. And that's basically, if you're looking at the newspaper, you're going to read this headline, and you're going to think that you need to throw away your aspirin. Okay, there are people who really benefit from taking aspirin, and this is to prevent a first heart attack. Mm -hmm. There are other people where it helps a teeny-weeny bit, maybe 2%, but the risk of bleeding from an ulcer or say you fall down and smack your head on the concrete. Right. If you're taking an aspirin, there's a much higher chance than not of having a bleed in your brain uh, or bleeding from a bleeding ulcer because aspirin can also lead to an ulcer. Not It's sort of a double whammy. It attacks or it allows there to be acid damage uh, to the stomach and then because it doesn't allow the platelets to clot as quickly, it can cause even a greater risk of bleeding from that ulcer that it caused. Sure. So do not stop your aspirin if you have had heart disease. So that means have you had a stent? Have you had uh, bypass surgery? That doesn't apply to you, this study. This study applies to people who have never had a heart problem before. Now, suppose you have diabetes, suppose you smoke, suppose you have a family history of coronary disease. Yeah. Those people did benefit from taking an aspirin once a day, okay. a baby aspirin. All right. So the headline is confusing. It should say, if you're healthy and have no serious medical problem, <laughs> okay. aspirin will probably not help you. That would be the headline. The problem is the headline's too long. <laughs> You know, so the headline is aspirin's no good. Yeah, and that's, that's not the case. And that's not the case. And if anybody out there is taking aspirin directed by your physician, call them, make an appointment, 
ask that physician because there may be things that you don't remember he told you, he or she told you, or there may be conditions that you have but don't realize. Okay. And that, that's the reason he or she has you on the aspirin. Don't flush your nose with tap water. Oh, have I, I can't tell you the number of people now, that I've talked about with this. Now, you are an advocate for I'm a some neti sort pot freak. Neti pot. Yeah. I, I use a squeeze bottle um, the, called Neilmet. Goes up one side and down and the out other. out the other. It's yeah. ca- it, okay, you brush your teeth, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so you have this cavity where, you know, some people don't close it enough, like me. Okay. It's called the mouth. The mouth, yes. And you try to keep it it clean. Yeah. The sinuses are an incredible uh, organ, and it's an organ. Yeah. And you have these cavities. Now, they think it was to help, because we have such big heads, and I know your head is bigger than mine, it's it's to sort of hollow out so there's less weight in there uh, so your head can be... Uh, upright. Imagine if that was yeah. all solid. Oh bone, yeah, they'd be terrible. Your head would, you know, drop down and and it would, you know, drag along your. Mine chin. often does drop yeah, down during yeah. the show. Right. Yes. Now, that's just because I bloviate too long and you get just, tired. I'm but just anyway, um, but what it really does is it warms the air as ah. it goes up your nose. Yes. And it also regulates sort of the pressure that is going in and out of your respiratory system. But let me tell you, it gets clogged. It gets bacteria. Okay. It's a filtration system as well. So what's in there? If you're allergic to pine pollen, like I am, and you know, they're, they're out, this is allergy uh, kingdom. Yeah, yeah. In North Carolina. Yeah. What does rinsing your nose out do? And it has to be a saline solution. Have you ever <laughs> accidentally not put the salt in and started squeezing ta- the plain water up your nose no. it hurts yeah really yeah it's got you got to have the saline in there in the right amount okay um because otherwise what it does is it starts irritating the sinus uh tissue and pulling you know all sorts of crazy chemicals into your nose and it hurts terribly but when you rinse it out you're yeah. rinsing out the pollen you're rinsing out the bacteria you're rinsing out the viruses uh that can lead to colds and looks like if you were a regular neti pot user and a regular mouthwash user and a regular teeth cleaner, you had a lower risk of getting COVID because the COVID came through the nose. And a woman in California died because she used regular tap water? Right. And so tap water is not purified. I need to tell you that. It comes from the Noose River and they treat it with chlorine and Mm. they filter out the, the dirt Mm-hmm. And they send it to you. Um, it can have little teeny weeny animals called amoeba. Yeah. And if you look under the microscope, they um, have little hairs and they squirm around and stuff like that. They can cause serious illness. And so what happened to this lady, she used tap water because, I don't know, you need to get a bottle of distilled water. Okay. I wouldn't even use the spring water that's on the thing. That's not purified either. But distilled water, by definition, is purified. They okay. make distilled water by boiling it. And as the water's boiled, um, the junk in it stays behind. Yeah. And the pure water rises as steam. Sure. And then they cool it. Yeah. And that's pure water that comes out. It doesn't taste very good because the taste of water is the minerals that is in it. And they add minerals to say, 
you know, bottled water. But anyway, so that water doesn't have amoeba in it. Um, and it, you add the salt solution, you put it in your neti pot, or you put it in this Neomed bottle, it's a squeeze bottle that I have, right. and you rinse your nose at it. And yeah. I do it twice a day. I still have a stuffed nose. I use uh, steroid nasal spray. I use a topical and a histamine spray. Uh-huh. If I didn't, I'd be totally plugged. Okay. But uh, let me just give you a sound effect. You go ahead. Oh, I you've never done in, that during the show. But it still no, 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 is no. a little bit um, um, narrowed. And yeah. the bottom line is distilled water in your neti pot. If you swim in a warm pond yes. that is kind of stagnant water, there's a, the kids every year who inhale that water up their nose and they get the amoeba and the amoeba grow in the back of the sinus, which is very close to the brain cavity. Yeah. And so when those amoebas start to grow, they eat through the sinus into the brain cavity and they make you extremely ill. Don't take the chance. Now it's rare. I would yeah. say it's probably one in a million, gazillion, whatever. Yeah. But you don't want to take the chance. Don't use tap water in your uh, in your nasal saline spray solution. All right. the uh, The radio program is called Making is called Heart Health. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. I You've did done it. this twice now. Twice now. Uh, the radio program is called Heart Health, and we are uh, back in just a moment. The 2020 election caused a spike. In MI, what is that? Myocardial? Myocardial infarction. Heart attack. Heart attacks increased after the 2020 election. Details in just a moment. This is Heart Health Radio. This is the Heart Health Radio Network. You can find this radio show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and at hearthealthradio.com. Jennifer Raddy. She's a wonderful woman, uh, and I have permission to talk about her case. Okay. So several years ago, um, she had a normal EKG. She felt fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, she walked and ran and did everything. So the abnormal EKG got a workup from a heart doctor and they did an ultrasound and her heart was weak. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they they used the terms cardiomyopathy, but they also used the term heart failure. So she went to a prominent medical center, uh, which is a great place, I don't wanna use the name, and had a workup. She had a heart catheterization. They uh, went up her wrist with the tube and she had normal arteries and she had what they said was a weak heart and congestive heart failure. Now, congestive heart failure is when you build up fluid. Um, mm-hmm. because the heart can't pump the blood quickly enough, or excuse me, strong enough. And the pressure builds up in your lungs, and it mm-hmm. also builds up in your feet, and you get what's called edema, the swelling around the ankle, and you're short-winded. You can't walk very well. She had none of those symptoms, none. Mm. And they put her on medicines that we normally use for heart failure and try to get her heart stronger. And, you know, maybe it got a little stronger. It's still bigger than normal, so... It was six centimeters in diameter from one wall to the next in the left ventricle. And for her, in her size um, and age, it should have been about 4.5. So she came to see me because her mama, mm-hmm. great lady that she is, yeah, so listens to us. Yeah. And she came to see me. Boy, she looked good. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, healthy looking. Uh, I walked her on a treadmill and her heart function not only returned to normal, 
quote unquote. I mean, it just got great. I mean, when mm -hmm. she went, you know, multiple minutes on the treadmill, 10 minutes on the treadmill, I mean, that's pretty good shape to yeah. do 10 minutes on a treadmill in my office. Um, her heart basically started squeezing as, as good as it gets. Mm -hmm. So then one of the things you know about is that electrical abnormalities both can be a result of a weaker heart and in rare cases can be the cause of a weaker heart. Because if you have, say, atrial fibrillation and your heart beats fast, and it happens all the time, mm -hmm. um, it can make the heart sort of remodel itself so that when it's beating really fast, it pumps in a different way to compensate for the abnormal electricity. Well, I put a monitor on her, and she never had a single palpitation. She never felt her heart skip, never mm -hmm. felt it race, whatever. So, you know, I guess that was probably the reason why the major medical center didn't put a monitor on her. Right. She has atrial fibrillation. And when she has AFib, sometimes it's really fast, okay? She doesn't feel it. So why is that important? Well, the first thing why it's important is that it could be coming from her heart being slightly enlarged um, because that happens and it causes the electricity to go a little abnormal. Well, what happens when you have AFib? the uh, clots can form in the upper chamber, uh, left upper side of the heart, because when you're in AFib, the blood doesn't flow in a uniform uh, manner. Mm -hmm. And so that's important to know. But it's also important to know if the AFib, if it's fixed and the electricity returns to, excuse me, normal, yeah. her heart muscle function may return to normal. Now, there's another thing that we need to consider and that her heart being slightly bigger and at rest, not appearing to beat as efficiently and as strongly as somebody who is quote-unquote normal, that may be normal for her, right? Right. Um, we have this thing called the bell curve, where normal is this, is this bell-shaped curve. So 120 over 80 is the normal blood pressure. That sits right in the middle of the curve. Yeah. But for some people, 80 over 40 mm -hmm. is normal. It's just normal. They feel fine. Yeah. For some people, 160 over 100 is normal, and they won't have uh, strokes and stuff like that. Right. Now, that's the 2% end, 1% yeah, end of the bell curve. So for Ms. Ratty, it could be that the way her heart is is just normal for her. So last weekend, she ran five miles. Good for her. Yeah. And so, you know, this is a very interesting very interesting situation. And I think the great news is um, she now understands her condition. Uh, she doesn't have congestive heart failure. Okay, congestive heart failure is a condition. Right. It's not um, a, a function necessarily of how strong or weak your heart is. If you're compensated, you don't have fluid in your lungs, you don't have swelling in your legs, you don't have congestive heart failure. Right. And explaining to her... Uh, what the catheterization showed and what AFib is all about and what this means, uh, I think really helped her. So this is what we do on the show, yeah, and this good. is what I do in the office. Got about a minute, less than a minute. Oh, my gosh. Statistically speaking, the 2020 election caused a spike. It's amazing. Myocardial infarction. I wonder if it was all uh, Republicans. I don't know. But <laughs> basically... <laughs> We know that stress does lead to higher incidence of heart attacks. There were uh -huh. 17% more heart attacks <laughs> in the five days after the election than in five days, six months before the election. Okay. And yeah. it's adrenaline. 
Uh, the adrenaline right. starts pumping. You get mad as heck. Uh, you know, it's uh, everything that we fight about, and it, it causes the uh, clots to form and heart attacks in your heart. And this is Heart Health Radio. Another hour coming up next. The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or just go to Heart Health Radio. Com. Robert in Raleigh joins us right out of the gate. How you doing, Robert? Doing great. How you doing? Good. How can we help you? Uh, yes, got a question for Dr. Weefald. Um, I'm scheduled to have <clears throat> ablation surgery. I've got some PCVs. Yeah, PVCs. PVCs. Yeah. P- PVCs. And uh, like somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 to 20 a minute. It's a lot. And due to, due to have surgery, uh, uh, ablation surgery over at Duke uh, in a couple of weeks, um, can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. I think the doctor, uh, Picorni, explained it to me, but I've kind of forgotten about it. and It's been a, took several months. Okay. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I mean, yeah. I, I don't have any heart. I mean, I've got congestive heart failure, but I, you know, I'm yeah. tired, but I walked around the block the, the other day, and you know, I've been working and everything. Don't have That's any great. No. Yeah, the P- getting rid of PVCs in someone like you can really help improve your heart function, especially if you're having 18 a minute. I mean, that's a lot. So what's a PVC? Premature ventricular contraction. Now, that, that sounds like a, a mouthful, but it's, it's easy to understand. So the normal electricity starts in the top right of the heart, and it goes throughout the top part, allows it to beat uniformly. Then it goes down to the middle part of the heart called the atrioventricular node. It's like a traffic signal, uh, and it regulates when the electricity flows down to the bottom part of the heart so it can be in a coordinated fashion with the upper part. So what you had, and it's probably related to some scar tissue from a weak heart if you have congestive heart failure or a thick heart if you have another type of congestive heart failure. So it is... Sort of saying, "Hey, what about me? Uh, I want to. I want to beat too. I want to create electrical current too." So it comes before the normal electricity coming down to the bottom of the heart. So it's premature, and it's from the ventricle, not the top part. So it's it's the ventricular, and it's a contraction because any electrical output will cause the rest of the muscle to get exposed to this electricity and cause it to beat. Most of the time, these are, are bad beats. Uh, it comes from the wrong place, and it makes your heart sort of just quiver instead of beating hard. So if you have a weak heart and you're supposed to have 60 really good beats a minute, but it's only having 44 mm-hmm. because that extra 
premature contraction from the ventricle or PVC is creating a situation where the heart 14, 16 times a a minute in your case doesn't contract well. So what does he do? They put you on a table. Um, They probably went through your leg and sometimes they also go through the neck and they put these little teeny weeny thin uh, plastic tubes that have uh, electrical conduction in them so they have these wires and stuff and then these metal tips on the end and they put a whole bunch of them in and then they start finding out with their computer where this contraction is and usually it's in the right part of the heart but it can also come from the left part of the heart so once they localize where this bad piece of uh, this bad actor is beating on its own they can actually apply an electrical current or they can apply a really cold tip, okay, cryo, that means cold, mm-hmm. and destroy that tissue that is causing the extra beat. So that's called an ablation. You ablate the tissue. And once they do that, it won't fire off prematurely and it'll restore the normal beating so that there is no interruption and the heart beats better. Now, sometimes they don't eliminate it completely. And sometimes when you do one, you find another Hmm. because the other one was being suppressed by the one that was showing up. So let me, let me ask you another question before you had the procedure done. Could you feel that skippy beat? Could you feel your heart sort of pause and then a real hard beat come after? No, I mean, I've had AFib several times and, and nothing, never heard anything. Wow. It's amazing. I have I have premature ventricular contraction, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of them when I don't take my beta blocker. And mine come from one specific area in the right ventricle where the blood flows out. It's called a right ventricular outflow tract. And it's just there. I mean, I don't have any scars. I don't have any heart damage. And I just can live with it. But yeah. let me tell you, when they happen, I know it. And there are so many people who have these electrical problems in their heart, and they can't feel them. Yeah, I don't yeah. feel anything. Of course, I'm overweight, but I well, hey. to do with it. So was that a, did you understand what I, the way I described it? Yes, yes, sir. Great. Thank you very much. I, what, how risky is this? I'm having it done over at Duke. How risky is it? Uh, the, the ablation? Yes. Not risky at all. If, okay. And again, it's dependent upon who does it, right? So if you have a guy who does four, four a year, and he just wants to do another one on you, you might want to get somebody else. The more they do, the safe it is. But the the, the statistics quote one in a thousand. So what can happen? Sometimes if you don't localize that tube, the catheter right, you can poke through the muscle. And when that happens, blood flows out of the heart and gets sac- gets trapped in the sac called the pericardium. And that that can lead to a situation where you better evacuate that blood pretty quickly. It's pretty rare that the hole is big enough that you need to have emergency open-heart surgery. The other thing that can happen is when they use an electrical ablation, you can irritate the esophagus, or mm-hmm. otherwise known by non wefi types as the esophagus. And it sits right behind the heart. Right. So the atrium, the upper chamber, where they're buzzing along and freezing along these, these AFib things, or the ventricle where they're buzzing the PVCs, it can transmit that heat to the esophagus and irritate it mm-hmm. and make it, you know, burn. 
and that can hurt um, very rarely. Uh, they can perforate the esophagus. So I've never seen those things. I'm going to put a plug in for my guy, uh, Pavlo Dotrebko, who I send uh, my patients to who need these things. And I've just, you know, rarely, probably one in a, less than a thousand times seen a complication. So that's, good that's luck. Good that's good news. Thank yeah. you very much. Hey, thank you for calling. That was wonderful. Thank you, Robert. Susie in Clayton, welcome to the program. You are on Heart Health Radio. I have a question for Dr. Weepall. Yeah. Merrick. I asked um, my primary care doctor about me taking it to make sure I could take it um, because of some previous health problems. Because uh, I know with um, in the past, I was on blood thinners, and when you're on blood thinners, you can't take anything like that. And I know I never heard Dr. Weefall say, don't take it if you're on blood thinners. Okay. Yeah, sure. What? Uh, let me just say, what blood thinner are you on? Well, I'm not on any now. They took me off uh, about eight or nine months ago because uh-huh. I had a C, I believe, so... I'm no longer on any, so I wanted to make sure I could take it. Yeah. And I have a lot of inflammation and a lot of back pain. So um, what I want to know about turmeric and milk crystal is what kind should I take? Okay. Um, there, there is really, um, and I'm going to say this, uh, I don't really believe in the expensive supplements, Okay. So you can buy a two hundred bottle, two hundred dollar bottle of turmeric or turmeric, um, and you know they'll say, "Oh, it's absorbed better. Uh, it has you know magical properties." Mm-hmm. Um, I buy the cheapest one I can find um, because basically there is so much turmeric in any supplement that most of it is <laughs> traveling down the wayside. Uh. Yeah, I mean you know, but what is absorbed? Uh, it really works, in my opinion, and there's evidence that it does. Now, um, the blood thinner that you need to be cautious with is warfarin, and that is a medicine that you take when you have an artificial heart valve. Uh, it's the old-fashioned one we took for atrial fibrillation, and it works on the proteins that contribute to contribute to clotting. Turmeric or turmeric can lengthen or extend the effect of the warfarin. So if you're taking the medicine and you start taking turmeric or turmeric, your blood thinning or your anticoagulation can get more intense. So do not start turmeric if you're on warfarin. Now, if you're on other quote-unquote blood thinners, such as Eliquis or um, Plavix, they work in different ways. There doesn't seem to be a reason to avoid it. Now, this is what I tell my patients, okay? And you're not my patient, so I'm not going to tell you. But if you're on warfarin, they also tell you, don't eat greens. Don't eat green leafy Mm. vegetables because they have vitamin K in them. Mm -hmm. And vitamin K can make your warfarin less effective. There's something called the proton. It's a number you measure. And 2.5 is, you know, in most cases it differs is the, the thing you shoot for. That means you're 2.5 times less likely to clot. 1.0 means normal. 
2.5 is where you're targeted. If you take turmeric and you don't measure it, it can go to 5 and you can bleed. If you take spinach and don't measure your prayer time, it can go to 1 and you clot. Hmm. Well, green leafy vegetables are really good for you. Yeah. Okay? I mean, you know, they just are. And they contain a lot of really healthy things that we need to eat. So what I tell my patients is that let's do this. Let's have a uniform number of green leafy vegetables that you take. Mm-hmm. You don't go seven days with only steaks and on the eighth day have, you know, six pounds of cabbage or, you know, five pounds of spinach because that'll really throw off your proton. If mm. you can be trusted enough to have the same, almost the same amount of green leafy vegetables every day, you can adjust the dose of your warfarin to compensate for that. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of doctors will disagree with me on what I'm about to say, but I think turmeric or curcumin, which is the, the chemical name, is really good for you. It lowers inflammation. I'm telling you, I've got proof. There's, there's proof in medical journals that it really is an amazing compound. It's a spice, mm-hmm. you know. And um, you can, and and your doctor will be able to work with you. And I'm saying the royal you, because I can't tell you what to do over the phone. But you can take, someone could take their turmeric and then have their warfarin level adjusted right. to take into effect that they're taking curcumin. So um, talk to your doctor about it. Uh, if you're going to be on a blood thinner, whether you can take turmeric. And the, the first part of your question is... <laughs> I don't believe that buying the fancy stuff is worth it. Um, you just, you know, take two capsules, whatever. There's no dose of this. Right. Um, take two capsules uh, and you're going to get the high enough absorption of turmeric to have the anti-inflammatory effect. Is there a certain milligram dosage? Pardon? Is there like a certain milligram dose? No, and that's what I'm saying. There's no dose. Um, I, I just, just take look, two. I just looked it yeah. up, Susie, and I can buy a bottle for $25. And I, and, and they've got 1,300 milligrams yeah. in one capsule. Yeah. I take two. Take two. And, and you know, like in anything like this, um, that's a food, and spices are food, the toxicity is minimal. I mean, you can get an upset stomach. And I suppose if you take 20 capsules, you could get, you know, diarrhea or something mm. like that. But okay. just buy some and just take two of them. That's what I do. Okay. Thank you, Susie. Milk thistle. Milk thistle. Yeah. So milk thistle is a herb or herb. Herb. herb in Herb Alpert and the Tijuana tent. Yeah. Herb, right. herb, herb in Europe. Yeah. Herb. Yeah. So, and basically, it's benign. It's like eating if you if you ate some you know um, cabbage or something like that. Yeah, it's a plant, and it's not really milk. Uh, it's just if you look at it, the top of it is milky looking, you know, and it's good. It lowers inflammation. I take mine in combination with turmeric, and uh, I also take ginger capsule, and the triple combination was what was studied by some neurosurgeons, and it really relieved pain because it lowered inflammation. It takes a while to work, um, maybe three weeks. And a lot of people take two and they say, it didn't help. <laughs> That's well, not the way it works. It works by 
lowering your body's immune response, overactive immune response to inflammation. And um, there, you can get some supplements. What's the name of that stuff on Fox News? That not relaxium relief sleep. factor. Yeah, that's that's uh, basically, and it is not basically. It is uh, turmeric, ginger, and milk thistle. Right. With something called resveratrol in it, and that is from grape skins, and it's also an anti-inflammatory. It's supposedly a superfood. It does, you know, contribute a little bit, but these are natural. Uh, and I hate to use that word because everybody thinks natural is always good. Natural is not always good. But they are, if you're out there loving natural, not, they're natural right. compounds and they don't have uh, significant uh, negativity. Uh, so right. you have to be careful. But if you're on warfarin, be careful with that turmeric. Thank you, Susie. Appreciate your phone call. This Absolutely. is Heart Health Radio. We're going to talk about drug shortages. Yeah. Ebola and bird flu. Oh, come on. Yeah. Well, it's the next thing. No. It's uh, we have to control your life because no. we're slipping away with the end of the pandemic. And this so is we're going to scare the heck out of you. And, and then you'll have to watch us on TV uh, all the time. This is the other one that I can't wait to get to. How old is too old for doctors? Oh, my God. No, I don't know. Oh, well, Sonny, <laughs> I think you got a pulse there, but I, I'm if, not sure. If there's rust on your stethoscope, it's time to quit. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's time to quit. All right, this is Heart Health Radio. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or easier still, just go to hearthealthradio.com. Click through and you will listen to this show. If you missed any part of it, listen to it during the week. Uh, all right. So, so here's the thing. There are drug shortages. And, and am I going to run out of mine? Because I'm on like nine meds. Yeah, no. Uh, the main shortages are the, are the ones that are packaged in pens and things like that. So oh, okay. EpiPens. So you, yeah. it, it's hard to get an EpiPen in some places. Uh, I prescribe them, and I haven't heard anybody say they don't have them. Right. Um, some of the drugs they use in anesthesia uh, to paralyze people, example, to when they're on the ventilator and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, when you hear this, uh, I don't want anybody to panic because, you know, the routine meds that people take every day are fully available. The supply okay. chain issues haven't hit them. There is a problem, though, in that most of our drugs or most of the compounds that go in our drugs come from China. So if there is in the future a big um, kaboo about yeah. getting stuff. Now, and again, I don't want to alarm people, but I get 90 days of my medicines because I'm going to take them for mm -hmm. 90 days. Mm -hmm. And it's, number one, generally cheaper. Um, I get my meds uh, from a pharmacy, but I could save a few bucks if I got them from my mail order associated with my insurance. Right. So I just don't want people to worry. Um, if you need an EpiPen, get one. Actually, they come in packs of two. Right. And you may have to search for one. Uh, there is a generic EpiPen. There is um, the price-gouging, um, uh, what's it called, brand name Yeah. EpiPen. Yeah. Um, so if you need one because you have anaphylaxis, which is a real bad allergic reaction to like, you know, peanuts and chocolate, 
just make sure you have them because that one day that you don't uh, have it. Now, the other thing, and I'll say this, this is something that I just came to my head. There was a lady who was in a uh, pharmacy, Yeah, didn't have RepiPen with her, and her kid had an allergic reaction oh my. and couldn't breathe. So she picked him up and carried him back to the pharmacy. They wouldn't give him the shot. No kidding. Nope. No. Can you believe that? That is terrible. Yeah, they were afraid of losing their license because they weren't physicians, quote unquote. I don't know where that is, but they had to pass the law. That's ridiculous. That the pharmacist can, pharmacist can give the EpiPen. See, and she didn't have a prescription for it, so they she, wouldn't give her well, one. Well, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. They, they wouldn't. They wouldn't give her one. Okay. I will tell you that Luckily, have, there was somebody who heard the commotion yeah. and came back and had the EpiPen and gave it to the kid. Right. So the kid did good. Oh, my gosh. All right. So how old is too old for doctors? I don't think anything is too old. Um, I'm 63, and I feel like I'm 40. Okay. And I'm in a practice uh, for a lot of reasons. I really enjoy it. I, You know, I'm actually better now than I'm sleeping every night. I mean, when I was in the hospital every day. Right. In solo practice, uh, I barely slept. I mean, I would get called at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. And right. I'm healthy. And, you know, I have, I have you know, brain farts every now and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's any worse than I had when I was sleep deprived. Well, now, uh, there's a big thing now. You know, airline pilots have to retire at 65, even though they're perfectly capable of flying right, right. um they uh, air traffic controllers have to retire at 65 yeah and even though the certain uh political persuasions like to tell you that we have a horrible medical system that our life expectancy is terrible etc cetera, etc cetera, i can't tell you how many healthy 90 year olds i see every day and i know several physicians who are in their 80s who are sharp as all get out right and you want to know something really interesting? What? Percentage-wise, who is sued the least? What age group of physicians? Hardly ever. I mean, it would be like, you know, uh, front-page news if yeah. they got sued. 80-year-old physicians. 80-year-old physicians. And there is a, a level of wisdom. And now, listen, your doctor has to keep up. Sure. Right? Part of the reason I do this show is I have to keep up. Right. Right. And um, so, you know, don't automatically judge a physician by how old he or she is. Now, somebody coming right out of residency, okay, I will say this. When I came out of residency and fellowship, uh, was I as good as I am now in terms of being a physician? Heck no. I mean, the first five years. And after that, I would say my prime is now. Okay. Because let me tell you, I've seen it all. You know, I've seen it all. Uh, And the things that I've picked up um, only were because, number one, I either saw them before and I missed it before. Yeah. Or um, because I just am so smart. (laughs) And this is Heart Health Radio. (laughs) Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Doug in Durham joins us. Welcome to the show. Thank you for holding on, Doug. Hi, how are you? Oh, no problem. I'm doing well. Hope you guys are well today. We are. What's up? Uh, 
Uh, number one, I want to thank you both for putting in time and effort to do the show. Uh, I listen to it as often as I can. I really enjoy it and appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, my question, I hear you talk often about the herbs um, that help reduce inflammation, and you sure. touched on it again today. Uh, and uh, I exercise regularly and eat a regular healthy diet, but I've been thinking about looking at that as another aspect to improve my health. Um, I've got you know some cardiac history in my family, but at this point I feel that I'm doing okay with it. Good. Uh, and uh, my question is, I heard recently about possible lead and heavy metals in those um, herbs that some of what you talk about. Um, and I was wondering if you had ever heard anything about that. Or heavy metals? Heavy metals, yeah, lead and arsenic. Yeah, so you're talking about herbs that help remove that or prevent you from absorbing it or something? Uh, no, it's... They're actually in the herbs themselves. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Taking them. Yes. Oh, I've never heard of that. I typed into Google heavy metals and in turmeric was a suggested search yeah. okay. right after it. So apparently it's a thing. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I just saw, I saw it online too. And that's why I yeah. was, you see things online. I mean, yeah, I don't know everything that I know. And about heavy metals is that they're bad and you need to get rid of them and that there's detox for heavy metals. So yeah. I'm not aware um, of any heavy metal that actually is good for you. Um, oh, I, not, yeah, not being good for you. No, I'm sorry. I guess I'm not being clear. Um, I'm wondering if you've heard of any um, lo those herbs. There's certain herbs and stuff that are have a lot of heavy metals Oh, they have too much. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, uh, you know, this is this is the problem, as I wasn't understanding. Okay. Well, I, I found an article about turmeric uh, adulteration that uh, some turmeric grown in Bangladesh can contain heavy metals up to 500 times normal levels. But on the other hand, we have controls on this, don't we, doctor? Yeah. And, and you know, I do was sort of um, flippant earlier in the show about not spending a lot of money on your turmeric and your supplements. Uh, that is assuming you're, you're going to a good store, okay? So if you're going to a reputable store, um, I seriously doubt that they would be selling um, these uh, bad supplements that are made poorly okay. and have a lot okay. of things. Now, um, this is the reason... Um, why a lot of people will spend a lot of money right. on their supplements um, because there are some that you can be sure about. I'm not going to name them, but they, you know, they're expensive. Uh, they talk about the purity. They have um, independent labs that test for purity. So if you're worried about it, um, you might do that and go ahead and spend some money on that. But the ones that I get, um, I get off the shelf, and I, I'll just say a plug, Wegmans. Yeah. And, you know, they're tested. They're, um, you know, they're uh, guaranteed. I can't think of the word. They, they've been through a, la a separate independent laboratory analysis. Right. And they don't have any bad stuff in them. Makes sense, Doug? 
It does. It does. I do a lot of shopping online. <coughs> just maybe with this stuff, I'll get it right at the store. Yeah, maybe that's a good idea. Sounds Buying great. at the thank store. Doug, well, let's put it you. this way. Um, have you ever heard of, uh, what's that, Alibaba? Yes. It's uh, like the uh, Amazon of China. Yeah. Uh, don't yeah. buy the don't buy turmeric for a dollar ninety eight for a year's <laughs> supply. Okay, yeah. I just wouldn't do that. All right, thank you, Doug. Thank you. Good luck to you. Telephone right. number is nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. Somebody called up earlier. We just didn't have time to squeeze them in. Oh, okay. And we, you know, Larry, if you're still listening, call us back. Ebola and bird flu. Come on, man. Yeah. Okay. We're just over this other thing. Uh, Ebola, you mean? No, no, no. The, the, the pandemic is easing. Yeah. Even Dr. Fauci says the pandemic's well, over. Yeah. Let me let me tell you what it is. Um, a lot of these websites and yeah. newspapers, yeah, flourished during the pandemic. Oh yeah. Uh. I mean, you wouldn't. Be, I mean, okay. So let me give you another example of a company that flourished during the pandemic. Yeah. And that's that cycle company. What's it called? Peloton. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, they I did. mean, their stock went up 300%. Sure. They got people who aren't going to gyms anymore. They're spending $3,000 on bicycles. Uh-huh. And lo and behold, yeah. the pandemic's over. People are sick of sitting at home. <laughs> now, who would think that um, they it wouldn't, their stock wouldn't go down, their sales wouldn't go down when right. people decided that right. it was okay? I guess they thought the pandemic would last forever. Right, right. So all these websites now, are saying, hey, no, no, you're going to die from bird flu. Oh, uh, uh, Ebola's coming. And then, you know, they have three extra cases of this new um, variant, this Omicron variant. Oh, we have three extra cases. It's gone up 700%. The reason why you're seeing this is because they want you to click on their website again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's a shame. Um, I'm going to say this. Is, is it over? No. Are we still going to have people get it? Yes. Uh, are there still going to be the rare instance uh, of somebody who is who has multiple risk factors mm-hmm. uh, who's going to die? Yes, uh, we are. But I can tell you right now, uh, what they're doing in China is destroying their economy. Mm-hmm. And because of its, it's Omicron, have you seen the people leaning out the windows? Uh, they're, they're forced to stay home. Right, right. And Shanghai. Yeah, yep. How are they going to get food? And they've got people in in bubble boy suits with AK-47s roaming the streets, uh, arresting people and throwing them in paddy wagons and putting them in detention centers if they get out of their house. And they're screaming uh, out the windows, you're killing us. This is not, this is idiocy. The zero COVID policy will destroy your country. And, And I'm not being mean when I say that we can't close ourselves down to prevent one death. We just can't do it. Tammy in Four Oaks, welcome to our program. How are you? Can you squeeze me in now? <laughs> yes, I can squeeze you in beautifully oh, now. Listen, yes. we got plenty of time. You plenty just keep talking. Yeah, what's up? Okay, first of all, let me say I absolutely love this show. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. I don't even know you, but I love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dr. Weefall, yes. question for you. Statin. Uh, uh, I have multiple sclerosis. Okay. And I've been having trouble with my leg. But my MRI, everything 
came back really good. I stopped taking my statin, uh, a Taurus statin. Okay. My legs never felt better. Okay. Is there something with the statin and your legs? Okay, let, let me just say this. Um, I believe you. Um, when you have multiple sclerosis, uh, there are a uh, slightly higher risk of statins leading to myopathy. And that is the truth. It's a higher level of inflammation and, you know, things can happen. Um, don't worry uh, about it. Uh, your cholesterol level can be treated by other medications. Um, and, you know, I don't generally um, like it when I hear my patients say, uh, my statin, you know, the statin you gave me just made me have muscle aches and stuff like that. With you, it is highly likely that it was the statin um, because of your underlying illness. They did a study, and we've talked about this before. I don't know how they got away with it from the ethics committee, but they gave 1,000 people a placebo and told them it was a statin. And they gave 1,000 people a statin and told them it was a placebo. Mm. And the people who got muscle aches were the people who took the placebo and were told it was a statin. But in your case, I think it's real. Um, and what can you take otherwise? Well, there's a great medicine out there called Ripatha. And it is a medicine that lowers cholesterol in a completely different way. It is a monoclonal antibody, so it's a biologic. It's a protein. And it prevents something called PCSK9 from, in a complex way, raising your cholesterol level. It works like a dream. Um, side effects are nil, um, zero. The other thing is a new medicine called Nexlazet. And Nexlazet works in the liver like the statin does. But it's a different place in the cascade that makes uh, your uh, cholesterol. And remember... 95% of the cholesterol, 85% of the cholesterol that's in your bloodstream, you make yourself. I mean, it is uh, it, it is manufactured in your liver. So that's how statins work. It, it blocks one of the enzyme proteins that helps to produce cholesterol in your liver. So, you know, talk to your doctor. Um, I, I would not even do what I do for a lot of patients is start CoQ10. Now, CoQ10 is what they call a coenzyme. So it's not uh, a protein, it's a, a chemical that binds to an enzyme. And it, it, some people think, although it's, it's controversial, that when you take a statin and you get muscle aches, it's because you've depleted your CoQ10. So the bottom line uh, is that I would go to your doctor and say, look, I can't take a statin. What do I need? Do I need, you know, the shot, which is Repatha? Do I need Nexlazet? Do I need another medicine called Zetia? And Zetia works pretty well. It actually prevents your body from absorbing too much cholesterol. So it won't lower it as much as a statin, but it still works. Wasn't there something uh, over the counter, like red yeast, rice, and something else yeah. that you put together? And yeah, to... uh-huh. So let me talk about that. Red yeast rice is a drug. Okay, I'm going to tell you this right now. Huh. Even though it's a supplement, yeah. red yeast rice should not, and niacin is also a drug, even mm -hmm. though these are quote-unquote natural. Um, they have just as many potential serious side effects as a statin does. So red yeast rice, in its pure form, um, that works to lower your cholesterol. It's basically working the same way that a statin is. It's working to block an enzyme in your liver. There is 
uh, side effects of hepatitis. Uh, there are side effects of muscle uh, problems. So I would not take red yeast rice without talking to your physician and being monitored. Niacin can do the same things. It'll, the worst thing about niacin is, man, it causes a flush. In the doses you need to take for niacin to work, 1,000 milligrams, 2,000 milligrams, yeah. your face turns red hot and your body flushes, and it can hurt your liver too. So when I talk to my patients about lowering cholesterol, no. I don't want you to, I would not recommend you take any over-the-counter supplement because they're basically drugs and you need to take those drugs uh, under the supervision of a physician. Now, he or she may prescribe them for you and you'll buy them without a prescription, but they're drugs and they need to be monitored uh, and you need your blood tested. Uh, There's ways to take niacin so it won't make you flush, Mm -hmm. but don't. Uh, I don't recommend anybody to take a supplement for lowering cholesterol, such as red yeast rice or niacin, without being carefully monitored by their physician. Tammy, thank you. Thank you, guys. And let me ask you a question. Are there really four oaks in four oaks? (laughs) There used to be. Oh, what happened? Somebody told me it's not true. (laughs) What happened to the other oak? now. (laughs) Now, is this downtown four oaks? There's now three oaks? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Well, there, the reason why I say so is, remember, in, did you ever watch that movie, uh, Back to the Future? No. Yeah. So, it was Twin Pines Mall when yeah. he left. Yeah. And one of the first things he did when he went back, to, when he went to the pass, is he knocked down the tree. So, when he goes back to the future, the mall is Lone Pine Mall. <laughs> so, I'm thinking Four Oaks. Is it Three Oaks? <laughs> What we do in North Carolina is that we pave over the field, we chop down the oaks, and we chase away the deer, and yeah. and then we name the place Deerfield Pine Oaks. Yeah, you know, have, have, you, have you ever been to Pine Level? Pine Level. I have. And is it a level area with pine in it, or why do they call it Pine Level? Oh. No idea. <laughs> well, I was you. hoping you could teach me. Tammy, thank you. Have a great day. I'm going to be right. looking next time I ride through that town. All right. All right. Take care, Tammy. God bless. All right. And I don't even want to know why Middlesex is called Middlesex. Oh, I just God. don't. I just don't want to know. Okay. This is Heart Health Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Heart Health Radio, Dr. Franklin Weefald in studio, Rose and Donald Creech. Who are they? Um, Rose and Donald are patients of mine that I've taken care of for 20 years. They're a a fun couple. Yeah. Um, They've had, you know, multiple medical problems, but every time they are up against something it just gets taken care of Mm -hmm. and what i want to shout them out for is they've been together for over 60 years and i've never seen a couple more happy Mm -hmm. and more satisfied with the lives that they've led and the family that they raised Mm -hmm. and so i just want to tell them how much i appreciate they let it they're letting me be their doctor that's great. Because it is a privilege, and it's heartwarming to see them together. Excellent. All right, so there's something called Medicare Advantage. I know very little about this except from the commercials. Yeah. 
And I am reading in the sort of right-wing press. Yeah. So let me let me tell you what happened. That okay. it's a scam. Yeah, Medicare is a government uh, insurance program. Yeah. It's not a uh, giveaway. You put your mm-hmm. money in. Yeah. Okay. And there's no limit now to how much you're taxed on Medicare. I mean, I'm I, you know, I know people who pay an ungodly amount every year, seventy seventy five thousand in Medicare tax. Really? Yeah. So what it is, when you turn 65, you're eligible to be enrolled in Medicare. And Medicare A is hospitalization. And the deduction for that is very low, the copay. Medicare mm. B, for some reason, only pays 80% of your outpatient procedure. So that's your doctor's visits, that's outpatient surgery, et cetera. Now, there's also a deductible. So it's 200 bucks. The first 200 bucks you got to pay yourself, plus the 80%. You got to pay yourself. So mm-hmm. most people would get what's called a supplement, mm-hmm. Medigap, and that would be from Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, from United Healthcare, and it would pay the twenty percent. Okay. And some of them had deductibles. A lot of them didn't. Uh, I know what I'm going to do when I turn sixty-five. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a Blue Cross Blue Shield Super Supplement. It will probably cost me three hundred dollars a month, but it'll cover everything. I mean, sure. I will walk in there and not pay a soul. Right. And it's going to be great. Now, it's expensive, quote unquote. Um, if you're on a fixed income, it's right. sometimes very difficult. So George Bush, W, um, got with the uh, Blue Cross Blue Shields of the world, uh, the insurance companies, and said, why can't we make a private Medicare? And what does that mean? Mm-hmm. It means that, and I'm not going to pick on Blue Cross Blue Shield because I, I love them. And I will say this, but let's say insurance company A mm-hmm. gets your money. So Medicare will pay them, ten i am just guessing, $10,000 a year. And then you belong to Blue Cross Blue Shield or insurance A. Yeah. They pay everything mm-hmm. you know, in terms of your insurance. Or so you think. Mm. One of the problems with, with uh, private Medicare or, or, you know, is that, they have hidden charges. And the reason why they're hidden is because they pay brokers to cold call you. And this is how people get signed up, is the broker calls you and says, we have a better Medicare. You're mm. gonna, it's going to cost you less every month. So what happens is that your Medicare premium uh, gets rolled into this uh, private Medicare. And so your Medigap policy is no longer uh, needed. And so, you know, sometimes they pay nothing, okay? They say, I didn't have to pay but $10 to be in this Medicare Advantage. Okay. Well, they get to my office. That'll be a $120 copay, ma'am. What? And then they go to the pharmacy. Yeah. And the medicine that used to be $5 is now $150. Right. And so, and then... Uh, in Medicare, you know, you can go to any doctor you want that participates in Medicare. Any yeah. doctor. And right. I'm talking about any doctor that accepts Medicare, you can go to. Sure. Not in these plans. There's a PPO, that's just preferred provider organization. Some of them that are the least expensive ones, quote unquote, um, you can only go to a few doctors. You got to quit your doctor and yeah. go to them. Yeah. So it's really important that you talk to these brokers and don't let them lie to you 
Because let me tell you, some of the plans they steer you into, why do they do that? Because they get a bigger commission for them. All these brokers are working on big, big commissions. The right. more they sign you in, some of the, a lot of the brokers are honest, but some of them are just lying sacks of you know what. Yeah. And they get these people to get into these plans. And they don't realize the plan you got into. You're going to pay 120 bucks when you go every time you go to a, a specialist. You might pay 80 bucks, you know, 70 bucks if you go to a primary care. Your medicines might, and I'm not saying will, might be incredibly more expensive than you paid before. Right. And the other thing is that Medicare doesn't require uh, prior authorization if your doctor orders a test. So if your doctor orders a CT scan, because he or she thinks. It's indicated you might have some structural problem with your lung, a blood clot or something. Yeah. You can order it. And they just pay for it. They trust the doctor. At least so far they do. Right. But let me tell you something. The insurance companies that run Medicare Advantage, you have to get a prior authorization. So I had to hire an entirely new person. Right. To get prior authorizations from these insurance companies that run private Medicare now, I've never been turned down because I know what to say. And I tell the truth, yeah, but I right. know how to say it. Right. So many physicians aren't used to doing all these prior authorizations. And so you might not be able to get your test. So let me tell you, and I'm going to stick my neck out. Um, if, and let me just say what I'm going to do. I'm not going to get into Medicare Advantage. I'm not going to get into private Medicare. I'm going to go with Uncle Sam's plan. Right. And I'm going to buy a really good secondary coverage that will get my MedD, um, right. which is the um, prescription plan, and get my MedB uh, gap covered as well. And then I'm just going to walk around and get stuff. <laughs> you are. You can, yeah. I want a test. I want some sort of test. I, you know what? My toenail hurts. And I have I a, a, it's a, it's the right pinky. Toenail. Yes. Oh, and gosh. I yes. need to go to the, uh, neuros, I mean the orthopedic surgeon. Yes, but I don't want to go to the left pinky specialist. No, I want to no, go no, to the no. right pinky specialist. Oh, yeah, yeah, you want and the I want, MRI. And the right pinky specialist, whether he's in, it doesn't matter if he's in network because I've got Medicare. That's good. Okay. Absolutely. All right, if that's your plan, um, Stan. That's your plan, Stan. All right. So the government says we're going to stop cigarette companies from selling menthol cigarettes. Yeah. Um, I don't. No, I don't participate in cigarettes, and I don't. You know, they're also going to. Yeah, stop. menthol. Menthol is a thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I am down to five a day. Good um, for you. And I'm doing pretty good. good five a day you. is like living in New York City. Uh, <laughs> I think point uh, four a day is like living in Raleigh. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. menthol is a chemical compound that apparently, for some, smooths the throat. So you don't feel that harshness. And what the FDA thinks is that it maybe makes you smoke more uh, because it doesn't hurt your throat. Um, So they think if they get rid of menthol, they will get rid of smoking. I can tell you right now, guys and gals, it ain't going to happen. And what you'll see is uh, cigarette importation going the other way. Yeah, from other countries? Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember when New York City banned trans fats mm-hmm. from donuts? 
Trans fats are the delicious part of a donut. Absolutely. I'm just telling you, they, yeah. that's exactly the stuff you want to have. Forget about the rest of the donut. You want the trans fat. Okay. Let me ask, I think this let me is ask you a question. What's that? All right. Remember how we did Ginger and Marianne? Yes. Okay. Uh, Duncan or Krispy Kreme? Uh, I got I to gotta say Duncan. Really? But yeah, but don't get a cup of coffee there. Cause if no, you don't, I like their coffee there. No, no. You t- they'll put so much sugar in it. You no, 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 no. Right. This is... Are we done? Yeah, we're done. No. This, this, thank you. That's all the time for us. This is Heart Health Radio. <laughs>